In uh, Philippians 4, we're going to talk about uh, striving together with confidence in God. And I think that's a very uh, timely uh, theme as we uh, are looking at the unrest we're seeing in our government, our country, and the division. And kind of resetting and coming back to this place that uh, where our confidence ought to lie. And we're actually going to talk about that more in the morning service. Uh, as the Lord kind of just laid a couple of verses on my heart this, for this morning. But, um, but as we look at this in Philippians 4, Paul's talking about his contentment and how it's really rooted in his uh, confidence that he has in God. And he's going to shift that same confidence to the Philippian believers uh, in their walk with God. And so when we uh, look at uh, Philippians 4 and verse number 10, the Bible says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. But now that I speak in respect of, uh, excuse me, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, and... I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice well acceptable, uh, excuse me, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And all we have a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, for this nice weather. And, uh, and Father, as we set aside time now to draw our attention to you as this is the Lord's day. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts, that you would uh, help us today. And Lord, I do want to just personally ask for, for help for me, that you would carry me, strengthen me today, having some health issues. And, and uh, Lord, would you, in my weakness, uh, be strong uh, in me. And, and uh, Lord, help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul here, he's talking about his confidence in the Lord, and I love the theme of Philippians, as uh, Paul, of course, is under house arrest there in the Mamertine prison in Rome, and, um, and he keeps encouraging this church, he goes, hey guys, rejoice, and, and these are some things that I was joyful about, and you know, he kind of lists several things, and, uh, but as we consider this idea of striving together as a church, uh, an area um, of striving together, I believe, is in confidence in God, the way we, the way we look to him, the way we... Uh, talk to others about our God, about how God has shown himself faithful for, uh, uh, in us and, and, and various things. And so we see this level of confidence that Paul has. And, and um, you know, Webster's Dictionary uh, gives a couple of definitions of the word confidence. First one is uh, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something uh, or a firm trust. There's a confidence there, and that's in someone else. Uh, the next one is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. So I've got confidence in maybe information. And then a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. So there's a self-confidence. And so we see a confidence in others, a confidence in, in knowledge or, or uh, ideas, and then in a confidence of self. And, 
And you know, the first two definitions of the word confidence is what we're going to talk about today, in truth, in others. And that third one is typically what the world kind of pursuits, right? Self-esteem, uh, believe in yourself, a lot of those kinds of things, you know. I find it very interesting that um, uh, I saw a study years ago where it kind of ranked all the different countries around the world in various areas, uh, the youth. And they were, they were showing how we, uh, how we rank in, um, in languages. You know, by the way, America is really low in learning other languages. A lot of countries, it's just a normal thing to know three and four languages. Um, in, uh, in, our, in, in math, in the sciences, in all these other areas, America was coming very low in the ranking of our students. But you know where we excelled? <clears throat> Self-esteem, confidence, right? And uh, so we're very confident about our lack of ability. <laughs> and, and, but we've been teaching our young people that, right? Just believe in yourself, that's enough. And, uh, and I, think, uh, I think when we look at the Lord's, um, the Lord's formula, and that is humility and, uh, and, and trust in Him, trust in truth, it really changes the whole, uh, the whole dynamics to where uh, all of a sudden here's a person, and it's not rooted in how much he believes in himself, but it's in his, 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 his uh, opinion of truth, his opinion of his God, and what's amazing is that person tends to excel. That person he tends to, 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 to advance because he's, his eyes aren't on himself. He's on uh, the one who's called him. And, uh, and by the way, God's got a greater plan for us than we could ever have for ourselves, I'll tell you what. And I'm not one of those that goes around trying to encourage people saying, well, God's got a wonderful plan for your life, but, but God does have a wonderful plan for your life, and his, his is much better than ours, though anything we can muster up. And, uh, but it's amazing how we're so big on you know, confidence in ourselves when in reality we should come back to uh, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 the best of man is a sinner at best. <laughs> you know, that's just kind of who we are. And so... <clears throat> So we want to ask ourselves this question, not as how is your confidence or self-confidence, but how is your God-confidence? Um, I was at a, a meeting one time, and uh, uh, the founder of an addictions program, Reformers Unanimous, uh, Steve Currington, was preaching a message. And he's with the Lord now. He had, died of a heart attack. But uh, uh, if you've ever heard Steve Currington preach, he's hard to keep up with. I mean, he's a very hyper guy. And uh, I tried taking notes before, and I just have to put my pen down to try to listen. And I was, I'm like, I'll just get the tape, okay? But, um, but he said this statement one time, referring to, referencing uh, Joel Osteen's book, Building a Better You. And he said, God's not looking for a better you. He's looking for a deader you. And I was like, man, that was good. <laughs> you know? And, and I know we like catchy little slang, uh, sayings and phrases like that, but that is really true. It's not the strong things, the mighty things that God wants to use. He wants to use the weak things. And the, really, the smaller I get, the greater God gets in my life. And, and so it's my confidence in Him, not in my ability. Boy, I'm, I am such an orator. Isn't God lucky to have me? I am such a this, I'm such a that. And, um, and if we're not careful, when we have some success in the Christian life, we can start looking at ourselves like that. Look at what I've done. Look what my hands have built. And, and, and I think about Nebuchadnezzar. He kind of had that attitude, didn't he? And God humbled him in a pretty, pretty big way. Okay, you're going to be an animal for a while. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad God hasn't done that to any of us uh, lately. But, um, but God has a way of humbling us. And I, I love the commands in the Bible. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. It's much better for you to humble yourself, take the initiative, than for God to humble you. All right? But he desires humility. Um, so as we look at this, God desires a faith life. God desires us to have confidence in him, Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so just a couple of thoughts I want to kind of bring out today. Uh, first of all, the, the product of placing confidence in God. Look at verse number 10. We're in Philippians 4. Um, verse number 10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly. You know, one of the products of our confidence in God is cheer. Again, putting ourselves in the context of Paul as he's writing this letter, designed to encourage other believers. And, uh, but I just love the heart of Paul. Because he doesn't play the woe is me game. If anyone could play the woe is me game, Paul could do it. You know, oh, I got, I got whipped again. I'm in jail again. And uh, you never see him do that. He's, he's met, very matter of fact about it. He doesn't hide it. Hey, guys, I'm under persecution. He told Timothy that was fully known, my persecution. He, he, he knew uh, what Paul was going through. He didn't hide it, but he wasn't using that like, as an excuse. In fact, it was almost like a badge. Like, uh, I'm in God's will. Right? And, uh, and he, was, he was almost excited about his persecution. And so, you okay back there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's already under conviction. That's what's happening. Um, uh, if, and in fact, earlier in the chapter, verse 4, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, uh, whenever God repeats himself in the Bible, uh, that ought to draw our attention. You know, there's only so many words he chose to use. And he could have given us a lot more. And so sometimes you think, why do you say that again? You know, there are a lot of verses in the Bible, in the Psalms, uh, exact word-for-word verses repeated. In Proverbs, exact word-for-word, you think, why did God waste his breath? God didn't waste his breath. You see, and here, here he's saying over and over again, I think it's 14 times in, in Philippians, uh, something about rejoicing, joy, um, and these kind of things. And here in one verse he says, rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. And then he says, and again, in case always isn't enough, again I say, rejoice. Rejoice. That'll be the heart. Well, where does that come from? I'll tell you what, those that have placed their trust in Trump are not rejoicing this week. I'm just going to say it. You know, I think a lot of Christians have committed idolatry. And, uh, and by the way, I, I, love, I love our president, and, uh, and I'm thankful for what he has done and, and the stands he has taken. I'm very thankful for that. But he is a man, a sinful man. In fact, uh, uh, you know, multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. We've seen that on his Twitter account, okay? <laughs> but, um, but a lot of people, you know, what's going to happen to our country? What's going to happen to our rights? What's going to happen? I'll tell you what, we've been a very blessed people in America. But are we better than the first century Christians? Are we better than the Christians in Iran? In China? You see? And, uh, you know, and it might be our turn, but what's, you know, uh, we ought not to lose heart because of the circumstances, because we have a God who's fixed. We have a God who is greater than the circumstances. And so guess what? You can thrive, you can rejoice in a Roman prison. You can thrive and rejoice uh, with our God-given rights oppressed by a government. You can. Hey, we ought to fight for them, and we ought to stand for truth and what's right. But, uh, but we can thrive in those because my joy, you know, I, uh, no law could, could take my joy away. No law could make my joy against the law. You see? You can't say it's against the law to be joyful. Take it from me. I dare you. Come and get it. You see, they may take my arms, but they can't take my joy. You see? And, uh, and so, so we've got to check our spirit. Where, where is our confidence? Is our confidence in our government? We're in trouble. 
Right? He that put confidence in man, what does the Bible say? Anybody? Like a foot out of joint? I don't know, a tooth. It talks about the tooth and a foot, <laughs> basically uh, uh, out of joint. And I tell you what, that's uncomfortable. Right? Uh, that's confidence in man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mess you up. And so uh, uh, Paul's confidence produced cheer. And, and, and again, it's where that confidence lied produced this kind of a, a heart. Uh, but each of us could, uh, could have been uh, uh, potentially joy killers for the Apostle Paul. Right? You show up, oh, Paul, this is horrible what's happened to you. Right? Uh, I even look at, I think about Job and his situation. Right? The book of Job. And how many of us would assess the situation and say, this is ungodly what's happened to Job. This can't be God's will. This is just not right. This is not just. And then the next conclusion is very easy to, to come to, and that would be the conclusion of his friends. Well, you know, if you're walking with God, this wouldn't have happened to you. All right? Say that to Paul. Say that to Job. Say that to these guys, right? And um, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's rooted in him, not our circumstances, and that's key. Uh, of course, Romans 8, 28, still in the Bible. We know that all things work together for good. Uh, to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Uh, verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. You know, it's amazing how trials and uh, difficulties in life conform us more to the Lord than, uh, uh, than everything going well. In fact, we talked about that a little bit yesterday at our men's breakfast. Uh, um, you know, how much more we learn through the mistakes. And through you know, things that we messed up. Well, now it's going to solidify. It's going to kind of uh, uh, stick in my mind a little bit better when I made that mistake. And uh, same thing when just trials come away. Philippians 1.12, But I would, ye understand, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. I love Philippians 1 because Paul lays out this, this case on how, how you know, the, the bonds that came his way He's so positive about it. He's like, because of me being in prison, there are people that are saved in the palace and all throughout Rome. You say, what? You see, here, here, here's what he's doing. He's saying God has a purpose. And then he goes on and he talks about how some preach out of contention, supposing to add to his bonds. That, that, that blows my mind. I mean, can you imagine me getting up Sunday morning and be like, I'm going to stick it to another pastor by preaching about Christ today? <laughs> and the church is like, yeah, get them. That doesn't make any sense to me. But that's what Paul's kind of laying out, and I love his attitude. He's like, I'm just glad the gospel's being preached. Yeah. Wow, what an attitude. Uh, so far from us today, I think. Uh, Paul's confidence not only produced uh, uh, a cheer, but it produced a contentment. So look at verse number, uh, number 11 again. He's talking to his church, and specifically he's talking in the context of them financially supporting him and financially seeing where he's at. So then he says this, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. In other words, my needs, these things that I desire. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. How do you think Paul got to this point? In whatsoever state he's in that he's learned to be content? How do you think he got to that point? Being in different states and with the theme that we're talking about, having confidence in God. David said a very similar thing. I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You know what he's saying? God took care of his children. And, uh, and, and, and many times it's those trials that are going to solidify what you really believe. You see, we can talk all day long in the classroom. At some point you need to test it in the field. Okay. 
And, uh, and, 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 and so that's why God many times uh, brings us through these trials, brings us through these things so we can solidify our comment. Do you really believe what you're saying? You know? Sometimes, uh, sometimes when you're going through an emotional struggle, your vision gets blurred. Um, right now I feel like my eyes are, my vision's kind of blurred right now. Uh, I'm, just, I'm really having a hard time this morning. Please pray for me. Uh, um, but they'll be, you know, talk to me in my office and uh, uh, looking for counsel or something, going through something real emotional. And when it's emotional, we start justifying things. We start uh, abandoning what we know to be true. And so sometimes I'll kind of turn it around on them. Well, what do you think? If someone were to come to you in this situation, what would you tell them? And many times it's in those times that what they know to be true starts to come out. Well, yeah, you're right. I, I would do this. I would say this. Well, that's probably what you need to do. I don't want to, <laughs> right? But, uh, uh, but it's in those times that I think it really shows that, you know what, I can survive this. You know, how many of you have been through a very tough time, maybe financially or, or otherwise in your life, and, and going into it, you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. But you come back on the other side, you're like, wow, we made it. You know, and it's, uh, it's amazing to look back and see God's faithfulness. And, uh, and, you know, we go through it. So what Paul's saying, he says, I've learned. This is something he has come to a conclusion of uh, through experience, whatsoever state I am there with be content. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased, brought low, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, get this now, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And you think, how can you do both simultaneously? And, and I think the best illustration for this is Abraham. Abraham finally got the promised child. And then God says, I want you to sacrifice that child. He goes all the way up to that mountain. He sacrificed that child in his heart. He had to have. He'd had to have already made that decision. So here's Abraham now, a day-to-day life, walking in the street, you know, head held high. He's got his son. He's an old man. He's got his teenage boy. And you can see the others in the community. They're like, ah, oh, there's Abraham. What a blessed man. He's got his son. He's got wealth. He's doing well. And you can see Abraham almost chuckling in his heart. I've got nothing. I have sacrificed it all to the Lord. He knows how to be a base and how to abound. He knows how to, you know, it's all what it, what it looks like to have it all given to the Lord. And so then God lets us enjoy these things, but let's never forget God lets us enjoy these things. You see, that they're from him. And so, so Paul's learning this situation, uh, this concept of contentment. What's interesting is the next verse, which we always take out of context, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. That comes right after verse 12. That's how numbers work, right? <laughs> what was verse 12? Uh, how to be a base, how to abound. We say, how can you do that? Well, I can do all things. You see, he anticipates it. That's the answer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This doesn't mean you can jump off a cliff and God's going to catch you. <laughs> okay? Uh, I can do all things. No, you can't. That's not what that means. Um, but the, the reality is, keeping it in its context, how could we live such a life? How could we live to know what it's like to be abased and how to abound? There was a, a man I knew. Uh, he was a pastor out near uh, 29 Palms, near uh, a marine base. And um, pastor of just a little small church. And, uh, and he was reading along, and he was looking at this, he, and he saw that I'm instructed. He's, you know, the idea of continually learning how to be full, how to be hungry, how to be abased, how to abound, how to, how to suffer, you know, need. And he thought, man, I live in America. He's like, I've really never gone without. And he, and he just was praying. He said, Lord, how do I learn 
this level of contentment. And so the Lord led him to do a fast, a 40-day fast. And, uh, and what's funny is, uh, if you've been around people that have done lengthy fasts, there comes a point where you're, like the hunger pangs go away. There's a general dull pain, but uh, the hunger pains go away. He said, because of his reason behind his fasting, that he was fasting to know what it is to be hungry, to know what it is to suffer loss, he said he was hungry the whole time. He said, he said and don't think you're spiritual because you're fasting. He said, I pulled up at a red light and there was a, there was a Frito-Lay truck right next to me. He said, I thought about hijacking that truck. <laughs> but, uh, but what was it? It was an exercise for him because he, he just really felt led of the Lord. I need to be instructed in this thing. What is it? You know, and how can I do this? And well, here's how you can do it. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. But, uh, but this idea of contentment, uh, I, I love the, 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 the formula God gives to Timothy. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 through 10, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness, and by the way, it doesn't say if you're godly and content, you will get great gain. The godliness mixed with contentment in and of itself is great gain. Hey, if you learn what it is to be godly and content, you're a rich person. You're a rich person. That in and of itself is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we'll carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich in the uh, excuse me, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and in many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. For while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How many of you have seen that verse uh, really exemplified in many ways in our culture, uh, in government? The love of money is the root of all evil. And uh, and and. Not to bring up politics, but it is very in the forefront of a lot of our minds. This last stimulus bill, right? They gave trillions, oh, I'm sorry, billions, to sworn enemies of, this, of America. And then they gave crumbs to the people who foot the bill. Now, by the way, I'm not in favor of any kind of socialism, you know. Uh, but if you're going to take all our money and give it to somebody, give it back to us. You know? Um, so you have to ask yourself, what, what root of evil was in there somewhere causing these money deals to go about? And why, why is it some people go into Congress with hardly a penny to their name and come out multimillionaires? How does that happen? Well, look at their record and find out where they're strong, where they're weak, and who they've been talking to, and before long you start to put pieces together, oh, money, they've been bought. It's sickening is what it is, but... Uh, and by the way, I don't have a problem speaking on these things because the church is to uphold truth. And we're to condemn evil and wickedness. And I think the church has been derelict in his duty. And look what's happening to our country. <clears throat> Paul's confidence next uh, uh, produced courage. We see contentment and it led to courage. This confident statement that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I do believe it does branch out beyond the, the contentment, but I want to say that the immediate context is contentment. All right? But there's a great confidence in his God. Anything God would have you to do, he can enable you to do it. You see? Um, and that's a very important concept. You, you know, we come to the conclusion, excuse me, of something being right to do because it's right to do. Not, will I be able to? Not, I don't know if this will work out. You know, if you find out, if you have a conclusion that God wants you to do such and such, you've got to have this confidence that, God, if you want me to do it, you better enable me. 
You see, he that has called you is faithful who also do it. Um, so uh, I like what Warren Wearsby said on this. He said, uh, of all natural, uh, uh, of, excuse me, all of nature depends on hid, hidden resources. The great trees and their roots down into the earth to draw up water and minerals. Rivers have their sources in the snow-capped mountains. The most important part of all, uh, excuse me, of a tree is the part you cannot see, the root system. And the most important part of the Christian's life is the part you cannot see. Unless we draw upon the deep resources of God by faith, we fail against the pressures of life. Paul depended on the power of Christ at work in his life. I can through Christ. That was Paul's motto, and it can be our motto too. I thought that was a good little commentary, but the, that's the reality. That's those hidden things in life. That's the hidden things of the spiritual life, saying, I am truly dependent on God in this thing. Uh, Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked upon them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And then he turns his attention, he's kind of looking at his uh, confidence in God, and he, and he kind of turns towards their peop- uh, the people there at Philippi and their confidence in God. And, uh, and by the way, I want to say this, that so much of the Christian life is, uh, is contagious, is something that is taught by display. Uh, one, one person said this, some things are just better caught than taught. You see, I can give you the textbook all day long, but at some point, you know, you got to walk with me so I can show you. We talked yesterday, and it was kind of funny uh, seeing the different gifts and personalities coming out at the men's breakfast. And some people, you know, a couple people are talking about putting all the stuff on the whiteboard, and, and then other guy's like, man, you put on a whiteboard, I'm going to glaze over. I, I, it's not just how I do stuff, how I learn, you know. And, and it's funny the different learning styles. Some guys can sit down to a book and become an expert at something. They're called officers in the military. And... Uh, um, but they can't, they can't hardly turn a wrench on their own. Uh, and the other guys, uh, they kind of just figure out how stuff works by turning a wrench. And then when they run into a difficulty, they kind of start asking around, could you show me? And that's how they learn, right? Just doing it, getting it done. And, uh, um, uh, but, you know, in the Christian life, so much of it is, uh, you know, what does it look like to pray? They came to Jesus. I love this. Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus comes out off uh, this mountaintop experience where he and God met all night together. And they come down, and the first thing they say, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. So John's doing a good job. He's discipling them. And, and, uh, and they're like, Lord, how did you just do that all night? Teach us to pray. And he gives, of course, this form, you know, the, the, the model prayer, and then he gives some illustrations on, on what to do. But, but teach us to pray. Sometimes it's good to just take somebody, why don't we pray together? Oh, that's how you pray. That's how you do that. Uh, I talked a little bit about fasting when we tried to do the fasting chain as a church, and I, I taught a little about it, but what was neat was when people started doing it, we, there were conversations. Wow, I experienced this, or I went through this, and we're kind of doing it together, figuring this thing out. Yes, there should be private fasting, and there should be a private prayer, but sometimes uh, you need someone to kind of show you how to do it. Does that make sense? And um, so in the, in the church's life, they saw Paul. And now he was encouraging them to rejoice, and he was encouraging them, you know, he says, you guys have been with me, I was with you, and now you've sent some people to check up on me, and, and there are some things within the church that the church as a whole, uh, by, by the way, you know what happens in churches? Their strong points become the strong points of the whole church, collectively. Someone may show up to a church and say, that's a friendly church. Why? Because one person was friendly? 
You see? No, it's, it's something that was cultivated. Uh, that's a joyful, that, that was an engaging church. They, you know, they, they, they really seem to love the preaching. They really seem to love to sing. They, whatever it is, it's kind of like there's something there. Uh, well, it's something that kind of collectively they're kind of developing. And, and I think that's the area with this Philippian church. They practiced their confidence in God. They saw a need, and they gave. In verse number 10, again, he said that, they had, uh, he said, uh, that their care for Paul had flourished again. In other words, it was repeated. And specifically, the context he's talking about, how, what was this care? This care was displayed by money. They, they, they met his needs, and they did it in a, in a repetitious kind of a manner, much like we uh, support our missionaries. Every month, we make sure that they've got a check, and, uh, um, and, and we, 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 we try to be a blessing in that way. Um, by the way, we heard this week from uh, CLA. They called us to thank us. We sent them a, a good... Uh, a good chunk end of the year kind of offering, and we also raise our support for them because uh, they're going to be busy these next few years, and we may need them. Okay. Uh, in fact, on the voicemail they said, "If you guys need anything, let us know." And I'm like, "Oh, we will, we will." <laughs> but uh, uh, what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said <laughs> no. They're they're definitely there. Even churches that don't support them, they're they're there to serve. That's why they're a missionary type ministry uh, uh, supported by churches. But um, they're going to be busy. Their phones, you know, going to be ringing off the hook because uh, they're coming after our liberties. You see, even in small areas, that's what they're there for, and I appreciate that ministry. Um, but, but what are we doing? We're, we're supporting. We're making sure these guys can take care of their families while they're, while they're somewhere spreading the gospel. And, you know, uh, I think about Jonathan Fisher and how God's opening doors there. And his ministry is going to get more and more busy because he's trying to get multiple villages. And so he's going to be a circuit-riding preacher. We don't have many of those today, but that's what, he, that's what he's going to be. And, and, uh, and it would be nice to know that his wife and his kids are taken care of when he has to leave for a couple weeks at a time or, or however his schedule is going to start turning into. But we want to be a part of that. And uh, so, he, so he's commending the church that they supported in verse number 14. Um, Notwithstanding, ye have done that ye uh, did communicate with my affliction. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, that is, in the beginning of his ministry uh, in the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. This was a regular giving they were doing to keep Paul there. And so he commends them for that. They saw the need and they gave as Paul had started this church and kind of was teaching them this idea of sacrificial giving, of being a blessing. Of, uh, of, of serving, uh, supporting the Lord's work. Uh, I don't know if he actually packaged it that way, as, like we would do it today. Hey, you should support a missionary. But as they would communicate with Paul, no doubt he would, he would write letters maybe and, and say, here's what God's been doing. I really could use your prayers and so forth. They, they'd write back and say, okay, we are praying for you, but what are your physical needs? What, what are you lacking? You see, they communicate once again to find out what his needs were and, and how can we be a help? And, uh, and later on, he actually talks about how he was hesitant to take anything from them as they wanted to give an offering to the, the suffering Christians in Jerusalem. And uh, it says that they entreated us, that with much entreaty, they begged me <laughs> to give this, to take this offering. And they, they, they saw something. Their confidence was in God in such a strong way, they thought, I bet God could use us to be a part of this need, to meet this need. You know, when your confidence is in God, you're sensitive to those kinds of things. Wow, this person's got a need. I bet I could meet that need. And uh, I think about times when um, uh, my wife and I, we were uh, uh, was in, um, 
trying to think of the context where we were at the time, but we were, we were really struggling. And uh, one day there was a ring at the doorbell, open up the door, no one's there, but there's a whole bunch of groceries, bags of groceries. I'm like, wow, <laughs> where did that come from? And uh, you say, well, somebody did that for you. Yeah, God did it for me. You think that guy just had this idea? I don't know who it was, but you uh, think they just randomly had this idea? You know what? God put that idea there. You see, and God will use people to bless people. And, uh, and later on, we were able to, to be a blessing in a very similar manner. We found out our pastor was really struggling. He, and um, he needed new tires on his vehicle, and he was behind on registration because he just didn't have the money. He was a church planner, and, uh, and, and we were able to do the same thing. We did like a ransom note. We, we put letters on there cut out from the newspaper and had, had uh, uh, put some cash in there and just kind of dropped it at his door. And, uh, and it's awesome, awesome uh, uh, thing, you know, an almsgiving, so to speak, not let your right hand do it, uh, know what your left hand does. And, um, but it was a blessing to, to be able to meet the need or to be a part of that in some way. And uh, even though we weren't doing, you know, incredibly well at the time, we thought this is a great opportunity. This is something we can do. And, uh, and I think that's what this church was. They weren't wealthy. We, we learned that from 2 Corinthians 8, that they were poor, they were poor churches in the Macedonian area. And, uh, but, uh, but this was their heart. Let me, let me read you uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 through 4. Um, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Paul is going to now brag on these churches of Macedonia, one of which was the church of Philippi. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, so they're going through affliction, they got great joy, as he encouraged them, rejoice always. And then it says, um, in their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. They were able, even though they're in poverty, they were able to give liberally. Verse 3, for to their power, I brethren record, gave beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us, that means to ask, asking them with much entreaty that we had received the gift, this financial gift, and take up, uh, upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Talking about those uh, saints, those uh, believers that were there in Jerusalem going through some great trials. They said, Paul, would you please take this offering? We want to help relieve them. We want to help lighten their burden. And, uh, and it says, with much entreaty, that tells me Paul was hesitant. You see, if you have to ask me twice to give me money, that means I'm not receiving it. <laughs> okay. And uh, so they, they prayed us with much entreaty. They were asking over and over again, please take this love offering. We sacrifice. We want to be a part of this investment. And uh, they saw the need. And it's rooted again in their confidence in God. I think also their gratitude in God. You know, when God's done something for you, you want to pass that on. You want to do something for someone else and show the grace of God in that way. And then they sowed seeds when they gave. Verse 17. I love this. Not because I desire a gift. Paul, Paul was telling them, commending them for their sacrifice, and then he's saying, not, not because I want more money from you, but I desire that fruit, uh, fruit uh, that may abound to your account. He tells them a very powerful truth, and that is when you give to somebody to keep them serving the Lord, the fruit that they produce goes to your account. By the way, on that topic, uh, I, I was uh, uh, able to be instrumental or a part of two individuals being saved this week. Because you guys allow me to be a full-time pastor. And, uh, and so while you guys were working and you know, at your jobs, I was meeting with a couple that needed some uh, marital uh, things going on, and, and, uh, and we got down to the most important thing, and that is the gospel. And they got saved. That's fruit to your account because you allow me to do this, you see, through your giving. 
And, uh, and it's awesome how that works together. We're, we're working together with the Kofers in Mongolia. I think about these new churches popping up all over the Middle East through um, um, a brother Fagali is kind of like a modern-day Paul overseeing all these churches getting going, and he's starting their Bible college and radio stations, and, and, and literally millions are hearing the gospel through these radio stations. Those radio stations can cross borders where Christian churches aren't allowed. And these Muslims are calling in with questions and getting saved, and, and they're sending them material, and they're starting these little illegal in-home Bible studies because he was able to put up a radio station. How cool is that? And folks, we're, we don't know half the details. He, he'll, he'll send a letter and kind of share what's going on that just takes up one page. But I'll tell you what, uh, he's doing a lot of stuff for the Lord over there. And, uh, and, and we're not going to know it all on this side of eternity. But we get to be a part of that. And we've got to keep that motivation that, uh, that, man, God's allowing us to help them. And uh, what, a, what a blessing that is. But when it comes to sowing or, uh, or making an investment in people's life uh, or uh, in faith, uh, we, we, consider, we, we consider it by faith um, before we consider the return. In other words, is this what God wants me to do, or is this a good investment? You know, when we talk about a rate of return, or, or, or return on investment, we, we think about, is this going to be worthwhile? Is this a worthy investment? And there's some measure we, we want to look at, maybe a missionary, is this guy a hard worker? Is he going to be faithful? Is he, you know, those kinds of things. But, but really, it's a matter of faith. And I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, in the early part of the, the book, he says uh, how some water and some plant, but God gives the increase, and, and there is a balance. You know, there are going to be some fields that are just more fruitful, so to speak, because of the field, and some that they've got to keep plowing and keep plowing, and they're working, they're working that ground. I think of uh, 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 William Carey and how long he served before he saw a convert, or Natadime Judson in uh, um, uh, uh, Burma. Uh, years he served before anybody got saved. And... Uh, but then there, then there was a harvest. But, uh, but just being a part of it and seeing, is this what you want from us, God? And, and I think that's what they're very sensitive to. Um, someone once said this, giving is not a debt we owe, it's a seed that we sow. And, uh, and it truly is, uh, especially when, we're, when we understand where we're giving. And first and foremost, we're giving to the Lord. And then we say, Lord, through this, how, 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 where do you want this investment to go? And then they practiced spiritual deeds as they gave, verse number 15. Again, uh, it says that they communicated with him in verse 15. Excuse me. And in verse 16, uh, they, they, they sent again with their necessity. They, they, there was this open communication with them. Uh, their giving uh, was really exceptional. Look at verse number eight, 18. I like this one. I have all and abound. In other words, I, I don't really have these needs. I am full and have received of Epaphroditus the things which are sent from you in an, now get this language, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, um, you know, he basically equates this to a concept of worship. When you gave, it, it was like an odor of sweet smell, and uh, it was a worshipful expression by giving this sacrificially. And, and it's really referencing there in the Old Testament uh, the, the, not, not the sin sacrifices, not the annual Passover lamb, but, uh, but the free will offerings, which were simply a, a thing that says, God, I love you. God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for your blessings. And, and, and the Bible talks about those coming up to God as a sweet savor. A sweet savor. In other words, God, God smells that burnt sacrifice and he goes, I like that. See, God likes barbecue. 
<laughs> There's scripture for it. But, uh, but what's amazing is, here are these guys, he's putting a, a spiritual twist on this, saying, when you gave in the plate, God goes, wow, I like that. You see, it's, a, it's an act of worship. And, uh, and what, a, what a powerful truth that Paul lays out there. As give us. Their giving, of course, was repetitive. Once and again, this was an ongoing thing. And then lastly, the, the promise that uh, uh, provides confidence in God this is another one of those verses that a lot of people just take out of context. Verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Boy, the Joel Osteen's out there, they love this verse, right? God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches. According to his riches, his riches are much greater than your riches, and, and uh, he's going to meet your needs. If you, you know, if you have a bill that comes up, God will take care of it. And, you know, all the, if you just have enough faith, then they, they wax eloquent with these things. But what's the context? First of all, it starts off with a conjunction. What's the conjunction? But. And what does a conjunction do? Remember, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Okay. Uh, it connects. So what are we connecting here? But the previous verse. The sacrifice they made. And as they sacrificed for the work of God, as they sacrificed, and it came up to God as a sweet smell, God says, I'm going to meet your needs. You met their needs. I'm going to meet your needs. In fact, I read uh, 1 Corinthians 8 earlier. If I were to continue, he gives the ultimate example. I love this. How he talks about how, God, how Christ, though he was rich, for your sakes became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He gives this example as he's encouraging the church to give. He says that's what, exactly what Christ did. And now as you do that, he said, I'll meet those needs. Okay. Now I'm going I'm to say this. I'm not telling you to be foolish. I'm not telling you to make yourself poor. But there's much scripture that talks about preparing for the, you know, and planning and being wise stewards and those kinds of things. But the idea is this, that, that as I sacrifice and as I give and put God's work first because of my confidence in Him, it's amazing how He takes care of things. It's amazing, uh, you know, maybe your tires will go a little longer than they would have before. You know, those are hard things to measure, but you don't know. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe your mileage goes up in your car. I don't know. <laughs> you know you're like, that's not my, you know, my car just keeps breaking down and I'm giving. But uh, I don't know how to measure it. Maybe... Here's one that's hard to put a price on. Maybe your kids are going to be a little more responsive to your upbringing, to your training. Maybe they're going to be a little less rebellion or rebellious because God's grace is there as you've been sacrificing. I don't know how he's going to do it, but God's going to meet your needs according to his riches. Um, because you put him first. And uh, I, just, I just truly believe that God honors those that honors him. And, uh, and, and I think that was the mindset this church learned to tap into. Um, verse number 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever. Amen. What's the purpose of all this? That he be glorified. That it's all up to him. Hudson Taylor said this, when God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will not lack God's supply. You know, when you're confident that this is from God, when you're confident that, that, that you're, you're doing, you know, this is all again rooted in confidence. This is what God has for me to do. Then it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, and then he's going to meet the needs. He's going to take care of it. His own glory is at stake, by the way. Remember when Israel was uh, wandering in the wilderness? And God was so upset because uh, while he's given Moses the Ten Commandments, they're breaking all ten simultaneously. And God said to Moses, step aside. I'm going to wipe them out. I don't make of you a great nation. They would have been called the Mosesites. 
amazing what God did, or Moses did. He appealed as a great intercessor. He appealed to God's glory, to God's character, to God's reputation. And he basically said, you know, what are all the other nations going to say about you? You brought them out in the wilderness just for them to perish? You see, he was saying, God, you, you need to be glorified in this. And by the way, all throughout Scripture, what do we see? We see God being glorified through unworthy people being redeemed by an incredibly um, gracious and merciful God. See, that's not how we think of where glory should come from. <laughs> you know, but what, a, what an amazing picture that, that we see even all throughout Scripture. But, uh, but God, God's glory is really at stake, and that, that's really the results, uh, that, that he be glorified through it all. Um, <clears throat> In fact, we have another, here's another example. Uh, Elijah stepped out uh, on, the, uh, on a limb for the Lord, so to speak, uh, for the sake of God's glory. Uh, as, he, as he met a neat... Um, in 1 Kings 18, verse 36 to 39, it says, And it came to pass that at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. I love that. He says, for this purpose, I want you to hear me, that, they're gonna, that they are all going to know you. See, it wasn't like, avenge me, like, like, like Samson, right? Avenge me of mine eyes. You know, it was like, that people would know you. That people would see there's the one true God. It's about his glory. And, uh, and it said, uh, and then thou art, uh, that thou hast uh, turned their heart back again, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, He is the God. How powerful. And then, of course, those enemies of God were slain. But, um, you know, sometimes it requires going out on a limb a little bit. And, uh, and it's there, out on the limb, we see God. We see His hands. You know, we, we love to play it safe. I'm not talking about being reckless, but we, we love our safety nets. I'll tell you what, Elijah put it all on the line. What would have happened if nothing happened? He was outnumbered, for sure. You see? And uh, what, a, what a powerful uh, story there. But to whom be glory? You know, that really is our motivation. That really is uh, the end all for us, that, that God be glorified. When I look at my family, when I look at my finances, when I look at very, all the things I'm responsible for, I have to ask myself, is God being glorified? You see, what is the end of all of this? And so, so how was your confidence with God? As these uh, Philippians, as Paul, do you have great confidence? Because that confidence is going to allow you to step out. Uh, a near kin to confidence, I, I think it's a real expression of, of how deep's your faith. Is your faith leading you to confidence in this great God? And it's amazing, God will grow it. God will test it at times through, through some fire, and, and as it comes through, your, your, your confidence grows. Wow, he was faithful there? He might be faithful there. So I step out again. And, uh, and your confidence begins to grow as you embrace those tests. When you run from the tests, though, you see, the, the, the Christian life is not like the whole no child left behind. You've got to take the test again, okay? You can't just move on to the next grade. And, uh, and so we ought to embrace those and let God grow our, our trust and our confidence in him. Uh, you see, I'm not gonna, I can tell you stories all day long about people that sacrificially gave. 
that, are, that, that said, you know what, I'm going to give 90% and live on 10%. I'm going to flip the equation. And I've known people to do that. But let me just say, that's not the starting place. <laughs> okay? Uh, that confidence grew somehow to that place. And so what do we, we got to look where we're at and say, God, what's the next step? What would you have me to do next? You see, uh, to be confident and to walk in that confidence. But again, it's going to come back to uh, joy and contentment as my confidence lies in him. Amen? Appreciate you. I uh, do appreciate your prayers. My heart feels like it's settling down a little bit. Um, I'm going to take my heart right here in a minute, but uh, before Sunday school, it was at 175. And uh, so if you guys would just pray for me uh, that I don't faint while I'm preaching this morning. And uh, I didn't want didn't to put on you, Jason, so it's last minute this morning. I was like, but I was uh, really struggling today. What's that? Yeah, 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 pray harder. Because otherwise I'm calling on you, you know. I'll be, since, since you're up for announcements, could you just continue? Just, just pick some notes, yeah. Uh, you know, they're hardly intelligible for me, so I don't know. But uh, I appreciate you guys. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this wonderful uh, truth from Philippians uh, on confidence. I pray, Lord, that we'd be a church of great confidence in our God. That uh, even as we go into this building project and the things we have ahead, mission support and even missions trips or, or whatever it is you would lead our church to do, I pray that we would step back as you meet needs and just, just really grow our confidence and we'd have powerful testimonies to share with others, even the lot, to say, look how great our God is. Look what he's done. Lord, I, I love you and uh, I pray that you would uh, just uh, minister your grace to this church today as, uh, as, it, as your word is preached and as your people assemble. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>